This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to Buckets. Here, as always, with me is Billy Scafuri. And joining us from New York City is the Michael Jordan of podcast guests, director of The Last Dance, Jason Hayer. You're getting bucket buckets. What's up, guys? Sir, thank you so much for agreeing to do this show exclusively. Uh, we appreciate you doing this podcast and no other ones for the rest of your life. I think this is, um, I think this is number 2300. It's fitting that uh, <laughs> I find you guys on this day. No, they've had... I mean, for the same reason it, that we got the the rating that we got was because there's literally nothing else to watch. And apparently there's literally no one else to talk to. So ESPN and Netflix have been pimping me out to every possible FM, AM, uh, radio, satellite, anything they could possibly get. Because Netflix has global too. So I, I'll, <laughs> I'll be doing like Filipino morning shows <laughs> at night. And then I wake up the next day and I'm doing like Chattanooga drive time and they're just asking me, like, there's no question. I mean, I don't want to insult you guys before we start, but I, I, I wow. feel like I've heard almost every question. Possibly. Okay. All right. We got some new ones. Let us know if you've answered any of them before. You can always pass. I disagree with Amir. I've got nothing but duds. So I think you're probably right here. <laughs> uh, all right. Before we get into it, and there is a lot to talk about, and we only have you for a set amount of time, I did want to warm up a little bit because, you know, a lot of our fans haven't been watching a lot of basketball. They're not like you. They've, they haven't immersed themselves in three years worth of Michael Jordan footage. So they're a little, they need a reminder, refresher. So I thought, what better way to do it? You grew up as a Celtics fan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the trivia game right here. Michael Jordan scored 63 points in that game against uh, Boston in that playoff game that, you know, was in episode two or three of The Last Dance, so I'm sure you're familiar. Uh, There were 15 other players who scored that game on either team. Can you name all 15 other players that scored uh, that game that Jordan dropped 63 in Boston Garden? From both teams? From both teams. Bird, McHale, Ainge, DJ, Walton. (laughs) Okay, that's five right off the bat. That's correct. Parish is six. Yep. I'm just I'm just running uh Wedman. Yes, Scott Wedman. So you have one last Celtic. Seasting? That's correct. Jerry Seasting. All right, you're out of you're out of Celtics. Okay, eight I'm for eight so far. No, I, need, <laughs> I need seven. I don't know if I can name seven bulls from that team. Paxson. Correct. Um I'm gonna need some initials. Okay. Trent Tucker. Was he on the team then? He was not. It's really funny that you rattled off every Celtic instantly and then couldn't name any other Bulls. That's really well, all I did was go fandom. through the. I, I had the '86 <laughs> Celtics poster over my bed as a kid, and, and the guys I didn't name were like David Third Kill, Sam Vincent, Greg Kite, who lived across. I know their whole roster, but I don't know the whole roster. The guy who did the Bulls doc does not know the whole roster from the '85 '86 Bulls. That's team. right. I guess when you're when you're a fan, you sort of are studying for thirty years, and then you know the last dance is just three. Yeah, uh, I did. I we did got 35 years of research. A big bruiser, CO, went to the Knicks. Charles Oakley. That's right. And then a, a ex-Laker as well, played 54 minutes. Uh, he was a bull, then a Laker afterwards. Uh, OW, the initials. Orlando Woolridge. That's uh, right. I, I, these I should get. Come on. Guys. Yeah. And then the other ones are kind of random. Kyle Macy. Don't know him. Yep. David Corzine. Didn't know him. Dave Corzine, yeah, was was he? <laughs> he's a big white dude who looks just like Phil Jackson. But we kept on getting executive notes back saying, "Why is Phil Jackson in uniform for this game?" We're like, "He's not even there yet." <laughs> it's not Phil Jackson. But every white dude from 1986 looks like 
Phil Jackson or Dave Corzine or Greg Kite. If they're <laughs> over six eight, then they had a mustache and a big mop of hair. It's like Paul McKeskey, Jack Sigma, um, <laughs> all the same white dude, and and, and and tube socks up to their knees with yeah. like really shitty uh, basketball shoes with no ankle support whatsoever. I love Phil's style. Like I'm a huge Phil Jackson guy just because grew up a Laker fan. But like his style in like the '90s and '80s, he's like the original hipster. He's got like the short shorts, the, like the tight fucking polos, the high socks. Yeah. He looks like he it's could be walking around enough. Silver Lake. Like that outfit would go for like eight thousand dollars <laughs> on like, like some sort of like Yeezy website. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and then George Gervin was on the Bulls. Then scored a couple. That's points. right. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, not a not a big fan of not a big fan of Michael's, and that's that's why the supposed freeze out uh, that that we didn't get into. That's actually something we can discuss. There we go. We did not get into the freeze out. The the, the uh, you know about this the no. eighty five All Star game. No, Michael's rookie year. There was supposedly a freeze out orchestrated by Magic and Isaiah against Michael to teach him a lesson because he showed up in. Um, I forget where the game was that year. Indianapolis, I think. Mm-hmm. He showed up in Indiana like wearing a fur coat, and he did a dunk contest in his own uh, in his own warmups, which were new at that point. So it was, he was advertising. He had the gold chains on. So the, the story goes that Michael saw Isaiah on an elevator and didn't even look at him, and they were like, "All right, fuck this guy. He's not getting the ball." And I think he scored like seven points or something, which is not a, especially in an All Star game for a rookie. That's like a pretty decent amount of points. Right. Excuse me. Um, but the thing is, it never happened. So I, I hate people like, why didn't you include that? We asked Isaiah about it. We asked Magic about it. George Gervin was another guy who was guarding Michael. But if you're not letting someone get the ball and you're on defense, it, that's not a freeze out. That's defense. That's, that's right. them preventing you from scoring. That's literally the object of the game. If Isaiah didn't pass to him, I guess you could say that's a freeze out. But Isaiah told me in our interview, he was like, I, it was 1985. I was not Isaiah Thomas yet. Like, you think I'm mm. going to go around to the East locker room and tell Larry Bird and all these guys, like, we're not giving this rookie the ball? They would have told me to go fuck myself. So it didn't happen. Yeah, but uh, that- the same thing I had, we, I did Andre the Giant, that documentary for HBO. And we had people afterwards saying, like, how could you not tell the story of how Samuel Beckett used to drive him to school in his pickup truck? <laughs> It was like, cause it didn't happen. Like right. there, it, it did not happen. It, it's apocryphal. It, it's, you know, and why, why take people down a road for five minutes just to tell them, you know, this whole thing? Well, yeah, it's all bullshit. <laughs> now let's get back to this. Uh, yeah. You're stuck with, you're stuck with the burden of fact. Everyone just has like selective memories from what they think happened in the past, but you're the one person who's like, yeah, that's all cute for you, but I have to get, tell the facts. <laughs> I have to live in the have, facts. We have, we have, there's a premium as ridiculous as it is to say it was 500 minutes of content, but there was 50 minutes each episode. So if mm. you wrote a book and I told you, each chapter has to be 30 pages. You'd be like, yeah, but this story is longer. This needs to be 37. The next one needs to be 26. But no, 30 pages, every chapter. Don't care what right. story you're telling. It has to be 30 pages. So we didn't have the time, like in the chronology of, of the two like timelines, I didn't want to stop in 1985 and tell you this whole story that would take four minutes to tell and be like, yeah, but that's all bullshit. So anyways, <laughs> like, were you guys confused by the timeline? No. I wasn't, I grew up a diehard Bulls fan. So this felt like um, it was just really fun to time hop. Um, my wife uh, would sometimes pause and say, just explain where we are right now. Yeah. And yeah. then once a, a brief explanation came in, she was like ready to rip again. 
it seems like the the common denominator with the people who were like baffled by the timeline or people who didn't know basketball, which is fine. Like I, I just did a podcast with some guy over in England and he's like, we had, I'm not going to even try to do the accent, but like, <laughs> we had no fucking clue. Like, I didn't know the all-star game happens in the middle of the season. I thought that was the end of the season. I was like, oh, the season's over. Why are we doing the all-star game? Right. But to us, we had lived it for three years. So it was so clear to me that like there's the 97, 98 timeline and then there's 84 and 98 and they're like converging mm-hmm. as we go. So by episode 10, we've met the timelines in Utah in 1998. But my editor and another producer, this is like two months ago when we were like finishing editing at the, at the facility where we didn't know we'd be leaving. But he was like, dude, what if people are just like, what the fuck are you talking about? What is this even about? And we were just laughing. Like, as we, you know, you say a word over and over again enough times, it doesn't make sense anymore. We were like, I don't know. I, I honestly, the first day that this thing premiered had no idea to me, you could flip a coin if people were going to like it or if they were going to be like, this is fucking garbage. Wow. No way. Because abs- I'm not saying that to be self-effacing or like false modest. I'm telling you, we had seen it, especially those first two episodes. I'd seen those for a year and a half right. over, mm-hmm. and over and over right. and over and over and over and over and over again. They were boring as shit to me. <laughs> right. I will never watch those again, probably. Like I've seen them so many times. And the same, I was like three and four. It's all about the Pistons. And if you don't care about basketball, you're not going to care about this Pistons thing. And I was like, if we can just make it to episode five, that's when it starts to become about like off the court stuff. And that's when like people who aren't sports fans might get involved. But I was way off for predicting things. And I had no idea that little things would resonate. Like John Michael Wozniak, rest in peace, that he, that that security guard. The shrug. Would, I saw him. There was a shrug t-shirt with John Michael on it. <laughs> And so, we interviewed him. He's like those cops that that were Michael's security guards were like legit Chicago, like PD. They've seen it all kind of cops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So John mm-hmm. Michael, we interviewed him. He didn't make the final cut because most of the time he was going on and on about like gruesome drug murders in Chicago. <laughs> it's a different dog. Nothing to do with basketball or Michael Jordan. He was like, you know that there's ways to identify a body where it's where it's when it's unidentifiable. There's ways that you can like talking about like, teeth and broken bones and limbs cut off. Like you needed really a perfect. you needed a third timeline just for him. So it's the '95 <laughs> team, the '98 team, and then also what's going on in this guy's fucking crazy ass. I Chicago saw that um, Nick Kroll played him or a version of him on Colbert. Oh, that's funny. Um, he does look like a Kroll show character. A lot. He really does. <laughs> if you look at his, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, like, I don't mind. I'm literally laughing at him now. I don't mind doing that because he loved it. Like he loved the hair. He, his, his kids would tell him to cut his hair and he wouldn't cut it. He loved that. That was like his calling card. He yeah. wasn't that guy. So Wait, well, the were, little things like that, I didn't expect to resonate. You were talking about being nervous about the reaction. So how, when did you start realizing? Are you on Twitter as soon as it's airing, like frantically searching, hoping to God that people are digging it? Or? During, yeah. During the commercials, I was. And, and people are... Um, like the cocaine circus thing, like people were st- like, like were making jokes. Like the meme started immediately, and that's it's fun. almost like that. That's like a a, a, a form of um, flattery, almost. Is like that. that if Not almost. That's a form of flattery. <laughs> oh, for sure. In twenty twenty, that is a form of flattery. Yeah. So I wasn't expecting that, and then, and then afterwards, we had gotten some reviews beforehand that came out that week, and, and critics seemed to to. Um, be liking it. Most of the critics seem to like it. And we had like, they were like 100% Rotten Tomatoes. There were like nine reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> right? 
everybody slow your roll. Like we're, we're going to get bad reviews, but like, <laughs> was there one um, review that you got or one tweet that you came across your timeline where you were like, well, damn, like that one, that one matters to me. Like, oh, I know you need, like yeah. to that, like a good one that validated it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to you, maybe it was someone you grew up admiring think, um, or, um, Wesley Morris, who I think is like a poet, he's a Pulitzer Prize winning movie critic, mm-hmm. which is like that just shows you the level of yep. his writing. He gave us what I would equate to like a three star review in the New York Times. But the fact that they gave us that much ink in the New York Times mm-hmm. and that he was dissecting this thing, I tweet, I texted him afterwards and said that that is the most fair and accurate assessment of this movie I've seen because he he was pointing out its flaws and its shortcomings. And he was celebrating the stuff that he loved. The biggest thing that, that I was pumped about that I didn't think would resonate with people nearly as much as it did was the music. Because I put a ton of Dude, time into... Th- so that was you? So that was mm-hmm. you? Because some of those, like it, everyone talks about like 90s hip hop versus today's hip hop and 90s NBA versus today's. But yeah. man, you really picked some choice cuts from 90s hip hop to make <laughs> well, this work. I'm probably Step more... into a, a world. Step I'm probably more... World. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that was a last second edition, too, because we were trying to get a song called Danger by Blase Blase, which is from yep. 96. I wanted every song to be like from that era. And Step that. Into a World is, is like 97, 98. And that was the last thing we edited of the entire. Well, we edited episode 10, like as late as, as last week. But I had to go back in and like reopen episode eight to, to change that montage. And just put that, that one song in. has the most like icon, one of the most iconic acapella intros that like lets the audience know yeah. the song is about to yeah, come. Yeah, yeah. And you guys got to use every ounce of that in yours. Yeah. It was just such a spectacular was, use of song. That was a really fun part of it for me because I, I think that I was more of a fanatic of the music of the time than I was. I mean, I was a huge, I'm the one who just rattled off the Celtics roster in 86, but I also, <laughs> I vividly remember the first time I heard rap music, like mm-hmm. where it was when I heard it. And that was a was probably the same year that Michael came in the league. So the trajectory of like Michael's uh, rise to, to fame and hip hop's rise to prominence in pop culture and my rise from like eight year old kid to college graduate was all that same arc. The first one was Super Bowl Shuffle by the 85 Bears, right? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And we couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't use that in the 85 Bears documentary. We were not allowed to use it. What? Why not? Because the woman who owns it. I have to choose my words carefully because she's the most litigious person I've ever come across in my entire life. We don't have to talk about it. I don't want to get sued. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bleep what I said. She wanted wanted more than the budget for the entire film for us to use 15 seconds of the song. Wow. Baller. um, We just decided to leave that out. But Super Bowl Shuffle, we may get sued for saying the words Super Bowl Shuffle. (laughs) All right. The big game dance rap song. From the 80s defensive team. All right. In line with your multiple timelines, let's take it back a few years ago. Let's see if you guys can keep up. I'm very curious about, one, you getting hired to do this, and two, day one, are you just like, okay, I'm in. Somebody just arrives at your house, dumps a box of 500 DVDs on your desk, and is like, all right, good luck, brother. We'll see you in three years. The hiring process, um, there was no like epiphany like, call like you got the job it wasn't like that because it took so long they they came to me in july of 2016 this executive producer mike tolan who who runs the production company that ran this there was a production company mandalay there was the nba and there was the the mj's team they were the ones who were going to come to an agreement on who was going to direct this and how long it was going to be and then they were going to shop it to amazon hulu hbo espn netflix 
and see like what kind of buyers they had. That should have been an easy sell. You would think, and, but, <laughs> but there's so many, it came this close to not happening at all because I think this is the last deal that ESPN and Netflix will ever do because Disney, D- Disney Plus was announced right after they signed the deal for this. So Netflix never would have been allowed in the door, I don't think, right now for this. Wow. But it was because it was like a it was like a logic problem. You, you remember remember like when you have like the sheep and the wolf and you have to get the food to the <laughs> island on the boat and there's like only a certain combination. Right. So there's so, a bag of grain somewhere in there. <laughs> exactly. Yep. exactly. Yep. You're the but grain. The sheep and the wolf can't be in the boat at the same time. Right. This was in in our version of that. Um one of these huge entities wanted ESPN. Another one wanted a streaming partner. And both of them said, we're not going to do it without the other one. And so they had to figure out like what combination of these things could happen. So they offered me the job. It wasn't even like, it was like, all right, I had enough meetings with them. I was like, all right, do I have the job? Is there, it's like those Lauren Michael stories they tell you when like people don't know they're hired for SNL. They just, they have a plane ticket. They just show up and they're like, wait, am I hired? What's going on? Right. So they gave me the, like I signed an NDA to go watch some of the footage. It was like, all right, am I, are we doing this? They're like, no, nah, it's not official yet. Nothing's happening. I was like, I don't see any other directors around though. Like, I'm still not <laughs> positive I have the job. <laughs> I think, so, I think it's over. So you uh, find out you do get the job. And then I, like, what is your, like, for me, a child of the nineties, like the dream was always to like share a room with Michael Jordan or maybe do something, make a commercial with Michael Jordan, anything. You find out that it's yours. Like, what is your initial feeling? Is it like dread? You know the stories of you know his him working with teammates, or is it like holy shit? I'm about to do this with Michael Jordan right now. It's that. It's the latter, definitely. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> because also, like, it wasn't dread because I knew it wasn't going to be like, well, I got to go see Michael at the office again today. I'm going to see this guy maybe twice in this entire process. It's not like mm. he's, it's not like he's on calls. You're like, oh god, Michael called again. It's not like that. <laughs> so all god. the MJ footage is two days? No, three. It ended up being three. He was contracted for two and he gave us a third interview. So so that first one in the blue shirt in that big white house, that's June 26, 2018. Wow. The maroon wow. shirt is May 6, 2019. And the black <laughs> shirt is December 10th, 2019. Yeah, I see the tattoos. You have all the dates on your wrist right there. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> on my cerebellum. So the, th- um, the third day, is that the one where you show them the iPad footage of the other interviews that you've had? That's the second two. Because we, we showed him the iPad of his mom and of Isaiah in that maroon shirt. There were, there's a bunch of iPad shit that didn't work. It was like... Did you always know you were going to do that device? Because that device of showing him the iPad was one of the most effective. Just watching Mike react so organically to whatever was put in front of him was such like a a fun, naked way of just seeing him. Did you always know, like when you were in the pre-production of this, we're going to show him some? It was branded content for Apple, right? They said we need an iPad. Is there a way you can have MJ holding the tablet? (laughs) Well, we gave him a Zoom to listen to music, but he hated that. <laughs> uh, no, the, the second time I met him um, was here in New York. It was the day of the Masters in 2018. So I don't know the, the day of the final Sunday of the Masters. A tradition unlike any other. Yes, exactly. Hello, friends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we were sitting at a, at a table watching golf, and um, somehow I was, I was asking him if he'd ever been kicked out of a game. And he's, he, he was remembering back to something and, and it came up onto fights and I've called up, there's like a seven minute video clip on, on YouTube of, of all of his altercations and fights, like set to like some like MOP or some like crazy pump up music. Yes. Give me that. And I was watching it and he grabbed the phone from me and he was just locked in. 
and he started like muttering to himself wow. and like something came over him that was totally different. Like he became prime MJ, whereas he, before he had just been like chilling out. But as soon as he saw himself, it was the Reggie Miller fight he was watching. Oh, and he good. was like, this fucking chicken scratches, blah, blah, blah. Like, he <laughs> so I was like, we have to do something that recreates this because this is something that like, I always use like the barometer for me is like, what would I tell my friends about from the interview that has to be in the show? Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I got that trick from um, Pablo Torre is a writer for ESPN mm -hmm. and he's on Round the Horn and that stuff. And, and um, just a personality for them. He's a friend of mine. And I remember him telling me that like, he did a piece on Mark Eaton, the the super tall Utah jazz guy. We're we're and aware. It, email <laughs> is out <laughs> for him to appear on buckets. He has yet to respond. Oh so yeah. His his URL is something like market seven foot four dot com. So yeah, <laughs> we have go. a long history with Eaton. <laughs> so I think that there was a story of like Pablo skiing with him that didn't make it into the piece. And he said that's the first skiing thing that I tell people. <laughs> skeeting. Skeeting with Eaton. Mark Skeeton. I love it. <laughs> with Eaton could be X-rated very, very quickly. Um, that wasn't snow at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Pablo said, like, there's a story about him skiing with him that didn't make it in, but that's the first thing he would tell his friends. And it, it's like, I've always held that as a lesson for like, all right, if I'm telling you this story about like the traveling cocaine circus and Michael laughing at it, it's got to make it into the docs. Mm -hmm. So um, aside from MJ, do you, re do you know exactly how many interviews you did? We did 106 interviews. We used like 95 of them. Damn. Um, are you leading? Are you leading those? Are you leading each interview? Uh, I did all but like 10. Wow. Um, who's, the, who's the biggest name that didn't make the cut? Probably Dominique. Dominique Wilkins. No, Oceano. <laughs> Dominique Oceano. <laughs> yeah. I, there awesome. was 45 minutes with Oksana Bayul, so I can understand why the <laughs> Moshiano cut didn't make it. Release the Moshiano cut. Katarina Bitt was great. It just, we never got into the figure skating at the 88 Olympics. Sorry, um, Bona Lee doing backflips, but yes. still didn't make the cut. <laughs> He's a friend of Ahmad's. She could have made the cut. <laughs> Wait, um, so what, what happened to the human highlight film? You didn't, you, you just didn't use well, that. Well, I was sure contest. at the outset of this thing, like the 88 dunk contest is such an indelible memory for me as a kid. Um, that I was sure we were going to do something about that. But like quickly we realized that like, cause when they said 10 hours, that was a surprise to me when they announced that to the public, I thought it was going to be eight hours and they announced mm. 10 hours. Like, what the fuck? Like, that's <laughs> and I had just seen um, defiant ones on HBO, oh, which I, I that. still think is like, oh, wait, that's Dr. Dre calling you. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mark Eaton. All right. And I was like, four hours is perfect. Uh, that's all we need to tell the story is four hours. And they were like, what about eight? And I was like, all right, six. I think it's the most we can do. I mean, I'll never forget it because it was the day we were interviewing Hulk Hogan in Tampa. And I was at the pool, like, like with him inside, like waiting. Great sentence. Brother, I don't get all day. And I was like, six hours is all we can do. So, <laughs> um, and then they and then they announced it two months later. They had this big press conference and they said ten hours. And I was like, wait, what happened to the four, six, eight conversation? Yeah. So I thought we were gonna have to do like Dr. James Naismith, like Peach Basket, like one oh one. Right. Out. So I was like, we'll definitely spend at least eight minutes on the eighty-eight dunk contest. We have nothing else to talk about. Right. But the characters that we got, we got. There's always normally someone missing who refuses to do it or, or like a big whole, like fab five, Chris Weber wouldn't do it. Hunter mm -hmm. the giant, obviously like, um, was no longer with us. And so many people from that doc are, 
or weren't alive. Walter Payton wasn't there for the Bears. This one we had almost every single person. We didn't have Jerry Krause, obviously. He passed away and, and like James Jordan, Michael's dad and Dean Smith. But almost everyone else that we wanted, we had. Wow. What but we didn't a- need it. Like we, it ended up becoming just like a couple of highlights in that in the Prince Party Man um, montage. And mm-hmm. we showed him dunking from the foul line and all that. And I also think that Dominique should have won that dunk contest. So it would have been very awkward to tell that story. <laughs> it's just um, an, you on an iPad being like, I think Dominique should have won the dunk contest. Can I get your reaction? To this? <laughs> someone, someone said too that like, you know, this isn't a documentary. It's propaganda. That obviously a lot of people are saying that. But someone was like, they should have. He actually averaged 21 points against Gary Payton, and he averaged 27 for the series, but only 21 when Payton was guarding oh, him. And so for him to say, I don't have a problem with the glove, it's bullshit. But first of all, like, okay, what was Payton's offensive output on in those games? Because that's the whole reason why George Carl didn't want him to guard Michael is because he Correct. was at the other end. Michael was more than happy to have him waste all of his energy and then go down and have no offensive output from him at the other end. <clears throat> And I don't know the answer to that question, by the way. I'm, I'm just rhetorically yeah. asking. <laughs> I'm sure somebody um, does. The other thing was that people said, like, well, then why not show Gary Payton the iPad if Michael laughing at him? Like, yeah. where do you stop? Then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Then reaction, then I show it to Michael. A just really like, slow Skype conversation. All right, this is what <laughs> episode 12, this is what Michael said back to you, Gary. Will you guys just <laughs> fucking meet up? <laughs> you literally, it would be an interminable documentary if you want to go down that rabbit hole. Like, <laughs> All right. No way someone's going to be like, okay, you're right. Stop showing me this iPad. I acquiesce and let's go. So um, Dominique didn't make it. Tony Parker we interviewed because I thought we were going to do a whole thing about like his global influence and like Dirk Nowitzki and Tony Parker and those guys who came up Yeah, um, as part of the Tony Kukoc story. And, and that got um, scrapped. John Michael Wozniak, I told you that he's not the most famous guy, but probably is now. Yeah. The most famous yeah. guy that we didn't use. Steals the show. It's great to know that we still live in a world where Dominique Wilkins, there's not enough room for men like you, but Wozniak, we got six minutes and it's all <laughs> you. you <know? laughs> the Woz. It's, it's comforting to know that that still exists somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And his nickname is Hollywood too. It's not an alliteration or anything. I don't know where Hollywood came from, but he was known as Hollywood. Uh, isn't that Ron Harper's nickname too? This is getting confusing multiple times. That's the other thing too, is that like Ron Harper gave us a long interview and it was great. And I, Like those are the guys that I feel bad didn't make it in. First of all, um, we didn't have much footage of him off the floor. Like they had this thing called the breakfast club, which was Michael and Scotty Pippen and Ron Harper every morning used to lift weights in Michael's house and their chef would make them breakfast. And then they went to practice every day That sounds awesome. when they were home. Obviously. Um, and that Scotty and Michael got a lot closer when Michael came back from baseball for that second three peat run. We didn't have any footage of that. Even in 97, mm. that's the other thing is that, you know, I was dreading it. Cause you say like someone drops all these DVDs on your desk. Yeah. 498 of those hours are slow motion basketball action films from the exact same spot under the basket uh-huh. <laughs> or meet or, or uh, press conferences or like media scrums in front of a locker. I think we probably had 120, maybe 150 good minutes that you would want to watch, but it wasn't like we had 500 hours of these guys like getting out of bed and stuff. I don't think they ever, they were in Michael's basement lifting weights one time. Uh, they were never, it was his car that one time we saw him with a mod, 
but it wasn't like they had unfettered access to his life. We didn't. Right. So I kept on begging the the marketing people, like, don't bill this as like the unseen footage because people are right. like, oh, 10 minutes of footage per episode. Right. But when you did so, use that unseen footage, just from a complete viewer standpoint, it really made all the other footage that we've seen so many other times, like the two just complemented one another so much because it felt like, oh, this is one of the new great. things, the, you know? The, the, the usable stuff was incredible. And there's such a mystique surrounding those guys that even to see Michael pull up, with maybe maybe the most um, inconsiderate parking job of all time. And he just, like, <laughs> he just stopped. He just stopped driving. Was not parking. Park. Yeah, he, he got just out. Driving. The He's car continued rolling into a wall. I don't know if you guys saw that. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even put it in park. <laughs> he had 365 cars and, and different every different day. I'll get another <laughs> just Porsche. Just drove into a wall. Always just, just drove into no. a wall. <laughs> <laughs> There's no attempt. To, to even be close to any lines no. or anything else. No he valet that he flicked the key to once. either. He just left nope. with the keys. The keys. <laughs> like, equipment manager, you're not leaving today until I am. Like, just no watch way. the car, right. But just, I just like, status. Yeah, just I had a question see, about, like, sorry. That kind of footage is mesmerizing because it didn't happen back then. But today, like, we're in LeBron's kitchen for Taco Tuesday. Like, you, we see that, that stuff, but yeah. we don't see... You would have we seen, seen like a lot of work. To, to you would have seen a, a beret. A lot, a lot of workout footage. If you did a LeBron doc of just from his Instagram stories, like mirror selfies of him squatting. He like posts his daily workout every day on the story. A lot of high angle. Uh, yeah, high angle selfie. <laughs> That's right. Are you as a Lakers fan? Are you like really bitter because you guys had a, a really good shot this year? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm. Still hopeful, optimistic that the season may be coming back in a some sort of your bastardized version so in Orlando. Like, yeah. Like when that championship moment happens, how weird is that going to be just to hear 12 guys like screaming in a room? Right. That's good. I wonder if they'll That's celebrate it. as much without a crowd. If there's like a game winner, you don't stand on a table and just like point to nobody, yeah. right? And I feel like a lot of times, like those guys, they're not even like, there's no sounds coming out of their mouth. They're just like acting like they're celebrating. <laughs> right. I saw a video of Joe Flacco one time when he won the Super Bowl and they had him mic'd up and he was literally running around the field afterwards going, yeah. <laughs> In like slow motion. Barely any noise coming out. It's like what you would do in your backyard. Like, <sighs> Speaking of LeBron, no interview there. Request denied. Never requested it. Never requested it. I have thorough respect for him. I love LeBron. Um, but he never, it wasn't, this story ended in 98. Like the only way that he would have fit in is in like that Timberlake role. Cause Timberlake was only there really to say like, I bought Jordans when I was a kid. Yeah. Put um, it in the trailer, put it in the trailer. <laughs> I, I, I'm not mad. Lot that, but there was an edict that came out like more celebrities in this thing. Mm. <laughs> mm. Uh, a few of the names that were suggested to me for celebrities, um, Ooh. The first one was, and this is a quote. This isn't like uh, Steve Urkel. Jaleel, Jaleel White. White. <laughs> that's what I said. And I was like, that's not a real person. You understand that. Like, but did they <laughs> want the character Steve Urkel to appear? <laughs> I still, like Spider-Man. Uh, did they say Bugs Bunny? Part of me wondered <laughs> if Bugs Bunny was going to make a cameo just as like a cute nod. That would have been great. Yosemite <laughs> Sam never returned our calls. Um <laughs> No, it's Steve Urkel, Dean Kane. Wow. Uh, and uh, the guy from Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Mark Curry. Mark Cooper. Mark Cooper. Mark Curry, right? <laughs> Mark Cooper. 
Okay, so I know that these people have real names, but that that's what was presented to me. So that that was that's why Chicago. That's why Barack Obama was graphic as former Chicago resident. Yeah, that was that a big was, thing too. It, Can it, we? Uh, I'm, we're curious about a, another lower third. Um, Michael Jordan's personal assistant slash best friend. <laughs> Doesn't so that say it all? If, if, if I saying. ever met if I ever met Michael Jordan, I would request that my lower third Chiron says best friend. Is that actually who is making that request? Like, put me as the best friend, please. <laughs> Michael doesn't even sign off on that. I'm saying I wouldn't. I'm just be like, I'm the best friend. You can just put it down. Don't ask. Um, he was. We didn't know what to call George Kohler, and then it came back to us, which I can only assume came directly from Michael to call him best friend. Okay. Wow. I, don't, I don't think. I don't think that edict comes down to us unless it's signed off on or suggested by Michael Jordan. Wow. So that's, Michael that's, called it. Michael had him as the bestie. You know how they met? I do not. No. You know this story? This is another one that like I was sure we were going to put in. Michael comes off the plane in 1984, his first time in Chicago as a rookie. He's by himself, and he can't find the driver that the Bulls have sent to him to take him to the team. He's staying at the hotel. He doesn't have, he'd never been to Chicago. And George Kohler, at the time, owns a limo service. And he can't find the guy that he's supposed to pick up. So he walks up to Jordan and says, hey, aren't you Larry Jordan? <laughs> and Michael says, no, that's my brother is Larry Jordan. And it turns out George played ball with a guy named Larry Jordan who looked like Michael. And he's like, oh, I get it. Yeah, you're Michael Jordan. Okay. Do you want to ride? So he takes Michael to the hotel. It's $25. Michael tips him 25 bucks on top of that. So George gives him his card and says, hey, if you ever need anything like around town, like let me know and I can I can help you out. Two days later, he calls him um, and says, you know who this is? And Larry's and George is like, who? He's like, it's MJ. He's like, I don't know any MJs. He's like, it's Michael Jordan. And he's like, yeah, right. He's like, it's Michael Jordan, man. Come on. Like, I need you to pick me up and, and take me somewhere to get a haircut. So he like showed him where the barbershop was. Ever since then, they have been inseparable. Still, to this, this is day? A, that is the beginning of a 1980s movie. That is an 80s, like Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor. Movie <laughs> yes. That's ridiculous. It's a madcap comic romp. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yet another 48 yeah, that's hours. True. That's true. And we, we interviewed George the, the morning that we did Michael on, on June 26th. It's in that same house we interviewed George. And then he was there when Michael came. Wow. So he still lives nearby and they're still, they still hang out. You talk about editing the tenth episode, like really, like last as early as last week, right before delivering it. When mm. did you know that ESPN was going to be like, all right, let's push it all up? And then, do you have any say in the matter? Or they're like, nah, Jason will figure it the out. The week of um, the Gobert game was March eleventh. Mm -hmm. We interviewed John Stockton March tenth. The Gobert game was March. Wow. 11th. Um, By the way, my, I did, my I, girlfriend you know, thinks John Stockton is very handsome. That was my takeaway from that episode. He is very handsome, and he's got a much deeper voice than I thought. I literally had never heard his voice, so he could have sounded like... <laughs> Hi, Chilly guys. It's John Stockton. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Should we get horn attack? We Cole, went. get on the low block. Get on the low block. Pick and roll. Pick and roll. Like, Dirtiest player. <laughs> Steals leader. When we, uh, when we showed up to Scotty's house to interview him... Um, we weren't sure because we, we couldn't read any of the numbers in this cul-de-sac. And we were like, I think it's this one. And we, we buzzed in and uh, we heard like, hello. It was like such that deep Scotty wow. thing. We were like, all right, it's got to be. He's like, and he, he was, he said, I'll be right there. And my producer was like, 
what if like a midget opens the door right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a guy who sounds nothing, sounds exactly like him, looks nothing like him. <laughs> anyway, um, March 10th. What? March 10th. Well, yeah. Why, what were we talking John about? John Stockton. Because everything got front loaded. Suddenly, oh, yeah, yeah, supposed yeah. To be so months ago. When did we know? So Gobert game was the 11th. And that next week was the week of the 16th. I think by the end of that week, like March 20th, um, we were actively saying, all right, when can we start airing these? Because we had three or four done at that point. They could have been aired on March 12th. They were done. Mm-hmm. And then we had to find out, all right, when is the last one going to be done? Which was like May 15th. And now, now back time from there. So it was like, do we do 10 weeks of one a week? Do we do five weeks of two a week? Everything was back time from May 15th. So I actually advocated for two weeks, like own the two weeks leading up to May 15th. So do like wow. Sunday through Thursday, two weeks in a row, which oh, would have been cool. a way worse call. Wow. What happened was that there was obviously nothing else going on. And so Sunday night was the perfect time to show it because all week long, that's all everybody like was just like, picking it apart because there's nothing else to discuss yeah mm-hmm. so to space it out that long was was brilliant it would have been june 2nd and then game one of the finals was june 4th and then i think june 5th was the the next episodes three and four and then game two and then episodes five and six and game three they were going to check wow off nights so uh, it would have aired all within like 10 days that would have been um, even more confusing for the timeline confusers out there. <laughs> Wait, so Giannis is playing, but now I'm watching footage from 1988? I don't understand. It'll make sense. On. It'll make sense when you see the last episode. <laughs> it all comes together. Yeah, Michael Jordan wins the 2020 championship. So you, you hand in the final episode when? Last Thursday. <laughs> so um, a week Thursday, ago. Thursday, the four, Thursday, May 14th, we turned in episode 10. And it airs on Sunday, May 17th. Yes. So we had all of Friday just to chill. We had nothing to do. <laughs> Your first day off in four years. My first day off in four years is this. This oh, is the shit. first day. This is my first thing that I have done that's not an obligation, like not a press obligation. You guys are the first. So. Are you? Are, is that a compliment? You're saying this is like cool friends hanging out. This is, doesn't the feel like a podcast. I elected to do this. I, I asked to do this. Yeah, that's right. We didn't have to go through your manager. We didn't have to go through ESPN. No PR people. Just straight through mm-hmm. our common friend, David Cho. Yes, that's it. I, I at the outset that shows you my expect. I mean, I love you guys, but it shows you my expectations. I told Chill like my dream is like to be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I'm dead serious. I was is like, if, if one person, I was hoping for like two or three tweets of someone to be like, "Yo, this music is awesome." And if it was oh. like fucking Pizza Pizza sixty nine, uh, like, like, like some Twitter egg, I would have been fine with that. You I should know that I'm on a. I grew up in New York. Um, first 30 years I spent in New York, and I have a text thread with all of my New York friends who grew up on 90s hip-hop. We owned every album that mattered. We knew the B-sides. It all mattered. And that chain has been completely just dominated by your music choices. So if there's any doubt left that you that it wasn't recognized, hip-hop fans love what you did with this It was, uh, it was really fun like, we were trying to be of the era, have it match the, the on-screen... Mm-hmm. And, and yep. not too obvious. So and not so it was like, all 96, 97? Is that true? Did you commit to that fully for the rap? Like, no. did all songs? Oh, okay, got it. No, no, no. It, it's like, I'm bad. I felt bad because I'm bad came out in 87 and we're showing right. game 86. And I was like, all right, we're kind of cheating right off the bat. But like Rakim, the, the, well, the first one was Been Around the World. That was 98. That came out yep. like when the Bulls were in Paris is when that song came out. And it just, that is it, so it, fun. It, it worked on a lot of levels. Um, 
And then, so are you like going to, are you going back to music lists and being like, what was the song in 87? What was the song in 90? A couple of times I did that. Like Fantastic Voyage was decided within three minutes because we, we there was another song I wanted to use that we couldn't clear. A lot of that old stuff you can't clear mm-hmm. because the, there's so many sampling. Samples that the record right. companies won't even let you use it because they're afraid that like someone's horn sample from 1938, <laughs> like their granddaughter, <laughs> like, and they can sue. And it, it's yep. a big headache, so they won't let you do it. Um, you have to do it on a quit claim basis, it's called, Q-U-I-T claim basis. So mm-hmm. you have to put up like an additional amount of money to, to, to stave off whatever lawsuit they may get if there's wow. a sample that there. And you have to give proof that this has been used before with no claims against it. So I'm bad, LL Cool J was a quit claim. Um, mm. Choice yours, Black Sheep was a quick claim. I'm just mm-hmm. advertising this now, so now people can just sue away. That's a problem. <laughs> This is um, a music rights podcast. A lot of these now. things, I give credit to the executive because <laughs> they could have said like, no, we're not doing any of these. And like, I don't know what's going to happen, but ESPN, some of these songs were only cleared for like three months. Mm. ESPN told me they're going to make me change the music. So like Big Pun is not supposed to be in the ESPN versions when hmm. you get it back from Netflix because ESPN has it for three months. Netflix has it for six months. And then they both have it in perpetuity after that. But I might just have to replace Big Pun. You might have to replace Big Pun with Fat Joe. I mean, I don't really know what else we could do. You might just no, have to. No, it's just going to be like stock party music. It's going to be yeah, royalty so free. Weird. Yeah. Stock party music, by the way, is John Stockton's rap DJ name. So you can always use his. He's on the ones and twos over there, up in Spokane. So we, tried to, um, we tried to have it be like the, so Rock Him, that paid in full album came out in 85. And Michael yeah. that rookie montage is from 85. Um maestro was was kind of like that was that was 90s but it maestro made so much sense like beastie boys made so much sense to me for rodman mm-hmm. because they were not rap or rock or punk they were kind of everything and that's what rodman was like and then in for the 90s like black sheep that was in 92 and when i think i, I literally was thinking back to what were we listening to in 1992 and black sheep, like what were we driving around who's a black sheep what's up yep no doubt hip-hop parade was 93 Fantastic mm-hmm. Voyage. I literally typed at my desk. I was like, we need, like, we had, we, we had pretty much exhausted our budget, but there was too much, like, repetitive score. And I didn't want to put stock music. And I was like, all right, fuck it. Like, famous rap song, like, rap <laughs> charts 1994. Uh-huh. And Fantastic Voyage was there. And I was like, all right, it, it's, a, it's the poppiest song that we had, but it wasn't so poppy that it was, like, corny. If, you know? if you're going to play a Coolio song, that's the one I think you play. Cause he was pure, he was so poppy, you know, that, that, that yeah, one. Well, we weren't going to do, um, gangster's paradise right. <laughs> or Amish <laughs> paradise for me. <laughs> yeah. Although so that's know- how we did it was, was, um, just trying to match it with the era and then have it not be like hip hop array is probably the most obvious poppy song from the era. And yeah. but we couldn't, there were se- several albums. There was like a J Rue, the damages song I wanted to use. Um, you know what it reminded and- me of was the uh, the old NBA superstars VHS tapes where it's just like, here's oh a fucking two minute highlight reel of Gary Payton set to this song. Here's Michael Jordan. You know Jordan. the song, the original songs though for that? No. Michael, there's a good trivia question. What was Michael Jordan's song for the original one? It wasn't Jam? No. Hmm. It was Take My Breath Away from Top Ten. <laughs> <laughs> you chose like, that? It's No. Jesus, no. It was all like slow motion take my breath away that's a ballad i mean that is (laughs) a soft ballad 
Mm-hmm. I love that he was listening to Kenny Lattimore, the inside scoop, and he was bumping Kenny Lattimore. Oh, he was man. like, I'm proud of it. No proud doubt. Of, like, I know the man. I still have no idea who Kenny Lattimore is. And I heard that <laughs> Spotify like went through the roof. So here's how good the editors are and how like, how just like meticulous they are with this. The editor who was doing that scene paused his edit, went online and found out what album would have come out in June of 1998 of Kenny Lattimore's. Huh. At all of the songs on the album and then read Michael's lips to see which song he was singing and then matched Damn. up the BPMs with him dancing. It was like, it's days like this. I'm telling you, that's the song. And it was the song. And did you use that song? That's the song that's in it. That's he's listening. Wow. The song he's listening to on his headphones is the song that's in that scene. That's great. With the fucking and when I first heard it, I saw the first cut and I was like, "What the fuck is this? Like, why would you use this song? It's terrible." Because um, the beginning like starts out really cheesy. Then it's okay. It just sounds sounds like '90s R and B. I was like, "All right, right. interesting choice." Because um, sometimes they would take swings and like try stuff out and be like, ah, I'm not sure that works. This one, I was like, wait a second, is that the actual song? And it was. Uh, are you digging the reaction from former players at this point? Or do you like want it to just like, now that they've all aired, go off and go into the night and let's stop the discussion right there? The, I have no problem with negative reactions. If, if someone didn't like it because it's not their thing or they were confused by the timeline or something like that. Um, the stuff that bugs me a little bit is the, it's propaganda, um, this was all through the lens of Michael Jordan. Michael, I don't want to say he didn't give a fuck about this, but he, <laughs> this was not like, he was not concerned with this on a daily basis. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not like something like, uh, Mike Greenberg on ESPN yesterday had said that, that Horace Grant should be furious with what, how he was portrayed. And he could have been, he could not have been portrayed worse. And the indication was that Michael drove that portrayal as if he was like, you know what? Make his Baxter <laughs> seven minutes, not eight and a half. And take out his math teacher. I don't want people having any, like he was not involved on that level. So if you're going to be mad at someone for Scotty's portrayal on this, be mad at me. If you're going to be mad at someone for Jerry Krause's portrayal, be mad at me. Um, But if you didn't like it, I had no problem with that. I do have a problem with Horace Grant came out and said that 90% of this was lies. Yeah, that seems Uh, high. Yeah. <laughs> what would the foot? It was like half lies maximum. Like 50% <laughs> Deep fake uh, archival and I like footage. I have no problem with Horace. We had an awesome time with Horace. He was like, a great interview. Oh, he was so, I had no idea what to expect because he's another guy. I barely heard him speak and he was awesome. Like I, I heard that was Harvey, right? You, you didn't actually get Horace, so you used his twin brother. <laughs> that <laughs> was part of the 50% <laughs> lies. <laughs> Uh, sweet. Well, sir, I know, uh, you're a busy guy, even though your vacation, first vacation in three years starts today, but, uh, appreciate you coming on the show. I have a good vacation story too. Okay. Well now, because we're actually choosing where we're going to go this weekend. My girlfriend and I, cause now you can't do anything. I always pictured I'd be in like the South of France or something at this yeah, point. Can't leave anywhere. But a couple of years ago, she had said like, I want to go on like a big adventure when you're done with this thing. And I was like, pretty much having a mental breakdown. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there were several moments in this thing where I was like, I'm not going to make it. And this thing's not ever going to be done. And I can't take this anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, let's just count to three and say where we want to go. And then we'll <laughs> start from there. So we went one, two, three. I said, Miami. She goes, Kilimanjaro. There like, you go. No, absolutely <laughs> not. No, 
Miami and Kilimanjaro. <laughs> Two opposite ends of the fucking planet. Like, I just want a fucking Mai Tai and a, and a book and a shady tree. And she wants to be like, pooping in a pot and like risking her life at high altitude. Like, no, I do not want to go to Kilimanjaro. <laughs> someday, someday, but not now. Uh, well, I got to say, basketball fans love this thing, but uh, a lot of my friends who have never watched a single second of NBA basketball said that uh, this is one of their favorite documentaries. So you were able to straddle both. I, that baffles me because it, there's so much basketball in it that I'm surprised when I hear that. It's it's a, it's the highest compliment you can hear, but it's it, there is a lot of basketball in this. So yeah. There is a lot of basketball, but I think you also really touched on what drives people and what motivates people and the things we hold on to. And I think you really like touched on a lot of like central human feelings and issues that we all can relate to. So a lot of those came through in the themes and just the interviews. So kudos, man, for real. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. Uh, uh, anything you want to promote? <laughs> <laughs> any recent projects you uh <laughs> we can check out <laughs> oh they're putting it on abc it's gonna be on ABC. they're running it on abc every saturday night i think at eight o'clock or nine o'clock for the next five weeks wow what if the ratings there are even bigger than the espn ones because it's on well like- it's gonna be bleeped out so it's gonna sound like a fucking test pattern <laughs> <laughs> although they said that and there wasn't as many swears as i thought like based on the warning they're like it's gonna be unfiltered unedited maybe my brain just didn't register it there was a lot of nudity. The John Michael nude scenes we had to cut out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Him shrugging in a fucking bathtub. <laughs> uh, sweet. Well, thanks again, sir. Third leg. Third leg. <laughs> <laughs> the tripod. <laughs> uh, thanks to you guys for listening. We'll be back soon enough. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. That was a HeadGum Podcast.